never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that asks all the hard questions. Where is Superman? Who is Superman? And I'll do you one better. Why is Superman? My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Hey, man. Here. Yeah, we got a lot of <laughs> Superman to talk about tonight. <laughs> yeah, tell me um, about it. I don't know if you've been seeing this, but it has been nuts. The Internet's going crazy. Um, and it this is great. What's, what's really cool about this big story that we got to discuss later is that there's the issue of where are your sources coming from, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Like, where's the source? Who's breaking the story? And James Gunn was very careful in saying, if I don't say it, it's not true. Right? So, and we'll get into this, but when all the Superman news that was dropping this week, all I kept saying was, where's James Gunn's statement? Where's James Gunn's statement? And it finally dropped, and I have it. <laughs> so, but it's just kind of like, what we need is James Gunn's statement to solidify the fact of this. So, because that was really bugging me as I sifted through a lot of this. Um, I don't know how you're feeling, but we'll, I don't know how you're feeling about this, but we'll get your review because you're I, the Superman guy on the podcast. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I've quite come to terms with um, how I'm feeling about this, but we can get into that later. So uh, that's something to look forward to, but uh, definitely a lot of uh, crazy stuff going on and a lot of crazy announcements back and forth and stuff like that so yeah yeah well anyway we have a ton to cover most of it's one giant story but we have a ton to cover so <laughs> um why don't we jump right into who, what are we watching what are we reading and go from there sure thing so um let's see this past week um i've really only watched two things um one of which was I watched the first season of White Lotus on uh, HBO Max. Um, have I've you been... watched this series at all, Drew? No. So, okay, check this out. Um, the show started, I watched the trailer for the original for when the show started, and I was like, I don't know. It just seems like a bunch of characters I'm not going to have any way of identifying with. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, have, I, I don't know if I can identify with any of these people. So... Um, I didn't. And then all I kept hearing was how good it was. And then the new season hits and everyone's talking about it. I'm like, maybe I should give the show a go. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I think the show does have that sort of um, big little lies problem where all the characters are like these super rich individuals at this like uh, resort hotel in Hawaii. And it is one of those things like these people have so much money. I don't feel like I can relate to any of them, but there is the show does do a good job of uh, 
giving you one or two characters who are really relatable, one or two characters who kind of you're supposed to watch the show and identify with. And if you watch the first season, you'll definitely be able to figure out who those characters are pretty early on. Um, that like the, that reason for you not watching that kind of cracks me up because that's not <laughs> what I expected to say, but <laughs> it's to it's totally true. Um, I decided to watch this kind of on a whim. Um, I have some coworkers who actually said that this series, that this series is really good. So I decided to check it out. And uh, what I can say is the first season is uh, six episodes, I believe. And it's very, it's a very quick watch. It's, a pretty fun watch. Like it's really engaging. Um, it's kind of one of those things where you have a bunch of different either families or groups of people or individuals, and they kind of have their own little story arc. And uh, as all those stories progress, the story arcs intermingle here and there. Um, but my big gripe with it is I felt like it's a good series that it's really funny. It's really smartly written from just from like a dialogue standpoint alone. But I felt like they didn't take things far enough, if that makes sense, because like the whole time right. you're watching and it's a slow burn. It does, but all right. And <laughs> um, it's a slow burn and you, you feel like it's all going to build up to like some really, really crazy dramatic stuff happening or uh, it's all going to build up to like a lot of crazy stuff, dramatic stuff that's going to happen. And that stuff does take place. I just felt like they could go so much further with what they had, you know, and I think I'm comparing it to shows like oddly enough, like if you compare it to uh, Game of Thrones, for example, I feel like Game of Thrones is a classic show that or is a classic example of a show that just takes things as far as you can and makes puts these characters in situations that will have you on the edge of your seat and will have you uh loving or feeling like sorry for certain characters so much but then also like hating certain characters so much and like white lotus i feel like with the cast of characters that they had in this story they could have really played that sort of stuff up they could have given you something a lot more than what it ended up being, if that makes sense. And that's, yeah. that's my one gripe is they didn't push some of the dramatic situations to like, as far as they could go. And that's kind of what I'm left with, but it was a fun watch. I will be checking out season two because it, like I said, it was a quick watch. It's fun. Like I'll probably be reviewing the second season soon, but that's just kind of what I was left with was like, that was cool, but you could have just done more. So <laughs> that's my thoughts on White's White sure. Lotus. Um, I don't know if you have any questions about that one or if I should move into my next thing. Not yet, because I haven't watched the show. So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so the next thing I was going to mention is I did finally start watching uh, Wednesday on Netflix. <laughs> so All right. <laughs> the Internet got got to me. Social media got to me. I saw enough memes about it on Twitter. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I actually have wanted to w start watching this for a while. Um, so I finally did. I'm about two, two and a half episodes in. So I haven't watched them all yet, but um, have you haven't I think this dance yet. Have you? No, I've, <laughs> I've seen some of the gifts from the dance and stuff and it looks ridiculous, okay. but um, I think the series is really fun so far. I feel like it's to me, I feel like 
nowadays Tim Burton could be Tim Burton can be really awesome and Tim Burton can be kind of subpar and I feel like this is like a really good Tim Burton project that we're getting um I I'm really loving like pretty much all of uh Wednesday's dialogue how it's written like it's really uh it's really cool and morbid and it feels like classic Wednesday you know and she's referencing different uh serial killers or different like horror stories and just like I don't know it's it's pretty intricate I feel like her dialogue is pretty great um I think the series does something really smart where Wednesday I feel like her as a character it would be so easy to say that she's a Mary Sue in certain ways because I am watching the show a little bit and noticing that she's like almost really good at every single thing she does you know like she's a good fighter she's a good fencer she's um, really good academically and stuff. And I keep thinking about these things, but the thing is that's her as a character, you know, she comes from the Adams family. She would have that sort of like, of course she would be classically trained as a fencer, you know, by like Gomez and Morticia Adams. And of course she would have like private tutors and would have like a really good academic upbringing and stuff. And so even though she does seem to be naturally good at a lot of things. I feel like that is true to the character, but also like, I feel like the the show does something smart where instead of focusing on her being like a subpar character and then growing into like a stronger character, they're kind of doing a different thing where they're making the focus of the show, like kind of the mystery that's going on. So you just have Wednesday who's like this awesome character, but she's, really involved in like a lot of mysterious stuff about the school she's at and uh, like the incident with the monster in the woods. And as she's unraveling it all, that's what's really fascinating. And I think they're kind of uh, they went with a really smart approach to focus on the mystery rather than her personal growth. And that's like I'm only two episodes in, but that's kind of what I'm gathering from it so far. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little ahead of you, so I don't want to say too much because I've been really enjoying the show. Um, I'm not finished with the season, but I've been really enjoying the show for what it is. And you're right. This is a Tim Burton. Um, Tim Burton does. And yeah, I agree that he has those, like, I don't want to say ups and downs, but that might be the best way of wording it. Uh, where sometimes his stuff is like golden and sometimes his stuff is subpar. This yeah. feels like a back to form Tim Burton. Yeah. Like when, you know, everyone was like, oh, my God, Tim Burton's the best director on the face of the planet. Uh, that's kind <laughs> of like what this feels like. Um, Jenna Ortega is just it's it's a ma- this is like one of those master classes in acting. I don't know if you ever noticed her blinking. Um, she doesn't blink. At all. <laughs> I, was say, I don't think I've, I don't know if you I can that. remember her blinking um, at all in this she, show. <laughs> she was doing an interview and they asked her about the blinking thing and she said she was just doing it naturally like on her own because she thought it was a good character choice. Yeah. Burton really liked it so he asked her to keep doing it. If you watch <laughs> if you watch I read that she blinks nine times in total um, on screen. Yes. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. The dance sequence, which you haven't gotten to yet, but you've obviously seen some gifts because the Internet's kind of taking it by storm. Uh, cool interview with her talking about the dance where she pulled from. Uh, there's a, a episode of the Adams Family back in the 60s where um, Wednesday was dancing with uh, Lurch and she pulled some dance moves from that. 
she pulled some dance moves from uh she was looking at i don't remember what the there was a specific style of um music that she was looking at for like music videos and then she was digging through youtube looking for goth uh dance parties and goth waves <laughs> and stuff for certain dance moves so she kind of like incorporated all nice. of it to create this thing um and it just works uh that's awesome. The it's just the show's the show's great. I can't wait for more. I'm like I said, I'm I'm a little ahead of you, so I don't want to say too much more, but I'm glad you're liking it a lot. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's, cool. it's oh yeah, I was just gonna just gonna say it's cool that she's like uh, drawing from uh, classic Adams family moments to like inspire her dance moves, for example. And I feel like that's one of the best part of the series parts of the series is that it does feel like it's true to the previous iterations of the Adams family. And that's just awesome. Um, the last thing I did want to touch on just a little bit is uh, I do really love Nevermore Academy. Like, I think it's a really cool looking, like just off the beaten path school. Um, unfortunately, like we have, um, we have Harry Potter, we have the Harry Potter movies and books. And like, just because any sort of like fantastical school like that, I'm going to end up comparing it to Harry Potter. And that's partly like my fault. Like I'm going to end up comparing it to Hogwarts, but, and that's the thing is like Nevermore to me doesn't feel as immersive and as huge and stuff as Harry Potter or as Hogwarts, but I do still really like it. I do think that if you watch Netflix shows, I feel like Stranger Things is a really good example <laughs> of this, mm -hmm. where yeah. the first season of Stranger Things felt like you could, feel that it wasn't the biggest budget ever but then you go a couple seasons later and the cinematography and the scope and stuff just expands so much and like Wednesday is obviously a hit so I feel like in a season or two you might have like this expansive CGI enhanced Nevermore Academy that feels like this immersive like Hogwarts-esque spooky school and that's kind of what I'm hoping for but even though Nevermore isn't as great and grand as Hogwarts in my mind, I still do appreciate that it's this takes place in the US. Like I'm assuming I know it's somewhere on the East Coast. I'm assuming it's like Pennsylvania or something because of all the pilgrim stuff. I'm not really sure, but the idea that in my mind's eye, in my imagination, the idea that Nevermore is within the same country that I am, <laughs> it seem that much more accessible than uh, Hogwarts. Yeah. And that's really exciting, too. <laughs> so I just thought that was a cool bit of lore that they're adding to the Adams Family mythos. So there you go. Yeah, um, totally agree. Did you watch anything else? Uh, that was pretty much it. I did. Oh, well. I was going to say catch up. I watched C or episode three of Willow, but I haven't watched the fourth one yet. So. Oh, good. Okay. Cause I haven't watched the fourth one yet either. I, the, my day got kind of taken, like it was just too much stuff. Going <laughs> on, so I did not watch nice. it. Um, yeah. So let's talk about Willow once we're both like kind of more current. Um, if that's all right with you. Yeah. Fa fair enough. Cause you yeah. kind of gave a episode three review last week, I think. Yeah. So. Um, so I have continued watching some more of the morning show. Um, really, really cool show. Um, the catch with this show is that it's very, very, very heavy subject matter. Holy cow. Um, if you don't know what the morning show is, it's an Apple show. Uh, basically it, it's a fictional, the morning show is a news show like the today show. So it basically follows this fictional news morning show crew that 
you know, tells the news and puts on this show. Um, what makes this so heavy is that one of the characters at the beginning of the show gets me too'd and they cover it the way that the media did. So it is very heavy subject matter. Um, mm-hmm. and watching this like fun workplace that was this like news, you know, you know, outlet become this like incredibly toxic work environment. And like some of it's like really, really cool. And some of it, you're just like, oh, my God, I feel so bad for these people. It's incredible writing. It's incredible acting. It's incredibly well done. It's just heavy. So, like, I have I've, in season two, I don't know how many more episodes I got, but I got to be close to the end of season two. And it's just like I, sometimes you just need a break. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. The. Uh, uh, the. The show's great, but that's what I get. That's that's where I'm at with that. So I watched I've been watching that. Um, I've been watching Wednesday. Um, two trailers dropped today, which I apologize for not, not not today, but this week, which I apologize for not warning you about. Um, I, I might have watched them. It depends uh, on well, <laughs> what you're talking about. Normally you and I talk ahead of time like, hey, yeah, any trailers. Yeah, go watch this. Uh, first off, uh, Legend of Vox Machina season two trailer dropped today. I have not watched that one, but now I'm pumped and I want to. <laughs> you got to. And I will say, make sure you watch the Red Band trailer. Um, it's awesome. If you don't know, nice. Red Band means the rated R trailer versus the one that's showed to the general public. Watch the Red Band trailer. It looks great. It looks funny. Uh, the show drops on January 20th. So we're coming up. Holy cow. That's awesome. Literally a month away, man. <laughs> so, um yeah, I can't wait for more Vox Machina. So, um, and then the other trailer that dropped was Spider Verse Part One. Oh yeah, yeah, I checked this one out. Did you watch that one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, this one looks great. It looks like, hey, we're back into the Spider Verse. Um, so I'm just excited. We're all excited to see it. the The hardest part about watching that trailer was there are so many Spider Men. <laughs> yes. In yes. the trailer. Like so many, it was hard to keep track. I watched the trailer twice to try and how many can I spot? Um, and it's gorgeous. There's just so much. Um, what do you think of that trailer? Because of it was like exercise for my eyeballs. I almost don't know where to start. And look, I can't wait to see it. I just it was like, wow, there's a lot to view there. So, yeah, no, it was a it was a solid trailer. Um, it looks really really cool i think one of the best parts of the trailer was like visually it just did a good job of like showing how like the first uh spider-verse movie like this is uh um or ultimate spider-man movie like this this one is going to mix up different uh visual styles like certain elements are going to look like 2d and kind of comic booky certain elements are going to look 3d but it's going to be a feast for your, for your eyes. And that's one thing that I just think is really important to uh, remind us all of. Um, but I think my biggest worry with it is uh, just like what you said, there's a lot of uh, Spider-Man, like they go to that one um, dimension or universe or whatever. There's definitely one, at least one of the shots in the trailers where you see so many different versions of Spider-Man. And like, that is really awesome. But I, my one worry about this movie is we have, you know, we have like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We had um, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. We have the Flash movie coming up. I'm a little bit worried that people are going to be on like multiversal overload. 
mm-hmm. in the next few years of movies, and that's my one worry. But everything else looks awesome. So it's almost just like knowing how much multiverse stuff is going on within like live action superhero movies that's my only worry is like we're just going to be on multiversal overload and we're going to be craving smaller more like um intimate stories by the time that this comes out but everything else like that's the only it's not even a complaint it's just a concern and uh, otherwise i think it looked great you know yeah all right well i'm with you on that it's just the that's it's a lot of spider-man <laughs> right <So. laughs> Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the news, shall we? Because there's a lot. There's like one big major story to cover, but it's all kind of wrapped around the same ball of stuff. Um, so let's talk about the news, shall we? Um, yeah. So because it's all kind of related, I talked to, I mentioned Vox Machina. That was actually a news story that I was able to tick off the Spider-Man trailer. Yeah. Right. Basically one giant big ball of nonsense. <laughs> um, I do have one non like on its own story. And that is uh live action. My hero academia movie coming to Netflix. <laughs> um, I thought you'd be excited. Cause I know you really like that show. No, uh, this is, this is great. <laughs> there was, um, there was a while I'm actually really behind on my hero academia, but um, at my work, there was a while where there was a group of like, there was like three or four of us who were all watching the anime and reading the manga for my hero academia. And we used to like converge like every couple days in one of our offices. And we kind of had like a, my hero book club going almost where we talk about like where we were at in the series and what we noticed. And like, it's a really fun series if you're a big fan of just American superhero comics, because the creator for this manga puts so many references and homages to different American superheroes and stuff. And it's really, really fun to read through that series and find all the Easter eggs. But the idea of a live action American version of this series being made is something we would talk about all the time like we would always talk about like which actor would play which character and we had a lot of crazy ideas so this is funny um i will say netflix doesn't have the i don't know if they have the best respected track record for anime adaptations but i'm still going to be watching this for sure and i'll still (laughs) be watching this with a close eye so (laughs) if you have any thoughts on this one true (laughs) <laughs> not directly because i haven't watched the show proper but yeah i know you're a big fan of it so i was like oh i'll bring that up because we'll see what yeah absolutely so <laughs> all right all the rest of the news is dc based like i said it's, <laughs> one, it's, it's essentially one giant story um and look we've talked about this several weeks in a row we have new ca we have new ceos we have ceos that do not have who have not announced what their plan is they're not Revealing their plan to the Warner's execs until next month. Uh, A week or two ago, I broke a story where James Gunn specifically stated that there's a lot of people saying a lot of stuff. And if it doesn't come from him directly, it's not true. All right. So a lot of stuff happened this week that made me questioning where's Gunn's statement? Where's Gunn's statement? That's all I could think about because every people, my phone was exploding, not just with the social media, not with the things that I'm following, but with friends asking me things. And I'm like, look, you can't believe anything until Gunn says something. 
That's basically yeah. how I was taking it. I'm like, guys, just let the internet be the internet for a minute. But it had me worried. It had me like scared. It had me like bummed out. And I'm like, just James Gunn, please. Before I go into this, <laughs> before I go in any further, I want to point some things out. Guardians of the Galaxy, all of it, has been awesome. Okay? Mm-hmm. The Suicide Squad has been phenomenal. Was I thought was a really great movie. The show Peacemaker was great. It really, really was. If you look at other James Gunn properties, they're fantastic. Okay? Even as, like... Like his one-off original stuff that he's done, absolutely great. We have to trust him because we don't know what the plan is. And a friend of mine pointed out to me this morning that maybe we don't want to know the plan and we just want to go in blind and enjoy whatever hits. And to that, I think that's a great point. I'm going to actually – hold on. Let me let me do this. Let me – because we we talked for a little bit back and forth this morning – um, that is not what I wanted. I pulled up the wrong thing. <laughs> um, where is it? Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a new uh, mood for I'm looking forward to the new mood for DC and I'm excited. It sucks to have to go through the renaissance with social media. I don't know if I want to know the plan. If we're getting to get the same thing as Peacemaker, I'm I'm in. I trust him. That's a direct quote from a friend of mine. The nice. I, I really liked the way she said that because I agree with the I don't know if I want to know the plan. But knowing the plan, I think, will put a lot of us at ease. Do you know what I mean? Like, OK, I can calm down now. I have a direction of where you're headed. <laughs> And I can just let and the Internet can do its grumblings on its own. I don't have to pay attention to it because you told me that I can relax. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I think I want to know. I think I personally want to know the plan for them to say, hey, we have this thing we're building. These are the first like four movies. Trust me. And this is the next. This is the this is a milestone for us. We're going to do these couple movies. And then this is like kind of like how Marvel had their individuals and then into ventures and then some individuals and adventures if they come out and say here we got a couple individuals and then we're going to do justice league or justice society or teen titans or something like a group thing oh cool we're building to something i can follow the the, the line you know so let's see what the plan is that's what i gotta say and i also agree with your statement going um it sucks having to go through this renaissance with social media absolutely <laughs> because social media <laughs> is wrecking this whole thing in my opinion okay so so I well I do agree with the whole like not wanting to know the plan, but I also think like there's a really because of the social media element, you really really have to instill confidence in the audience. Kind of like what you're saying, like we need a direction to know because if the audience is not confident with the final product, like I feel like you're just setting yourself up for disaster. I know I feel like um Batman v Superman felt like that a little bit where there was enough people who didn't like Man of Steel and uh for whatever reason weren't uh confident in the way that Zack Snyder was making that movie and I know like you know what? some of the what's that let's talk about a more recent example and a show that told us that they had a 1 billion dollar budget <laughs> fair enough, fair enough but I'm just I guess like Batman <laughs> but I wasn't trying Superman... to make I was not trying to make a jab at Lord of the Rings but they told us some behind the scenes stuff that made us look through it through a different lens. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so. that's true. And and I think there is a, 
there is like a certain art to uh, the balance of like building confidence with the audience. But I just I guess I was just thinking about this was taking me back to when I saw Batman v Superman and I saw it with a group of friends and I was so excited to see this movie. But the people I saw it with, I felt like already thought it was going to suck before even watching it. And they were looking for things not to like. before they even saw the movie. And that's like something you really have to instill in your viewers that they're going to just take the movie for what it is and be excited about it and not nitpicky. Yep. Um, All right. So let's dive real deep. So first two announcements hit very early. One, DC Studios reportedly scrapped a Batman Beyond movie with Michael Keaton. I'm still not 100% sure if this story is true or not, but apparently a Batman Beyond movie was in the works with Michael Keaton, and they scrapped it. Um, That sucks, because that would have been awesome, but that doesn't mean we won't get to see that in the future. Um, Right. You know, that just just means right now it's not on the table, you know. (laughs) It goes along with, like, they're changing a lot of stuff up, and a lot of this news is going to sting because they are going to be scrapping stuff and it sucks, but yeah. hopefully the final product we get out of all this is going to be great. So yeah, um, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> then we get wonder woman three has been canceled. Yeah. I, I believe we talked a little bit about this last week, right? Ooh, uh, a little bit, but wonder woman three has been canceled. It's not going on. And now Patty Jenkins is actually speaking out and it's like, all right, let's see. Oh, so, okay. Patty Jenkins was reportedly given another chance to rewrite Wonder Woman, and she declined it, told them they don't understand. Okay, so this is interesting. Um, She refused to write. She refused the offer and packed her bags. Jenkins told them that they didn't understand what she was trying to do and sent them a link to a Wikipedia definition of character arc, Um, which I thought was a little like, wow, you just kind of you're definitely never working for D.C. again. Um, (laughs) But. She did send out a pretty, pretty hefty statement, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's something within the first couple paragraphs. I'll read at least. Because what happens is she kind of gives some she kind of explains some stuff and then she goes into the I'm so glad I got to work with the people. I got to work with Gal Gadot and Linda Carter and like, you know, she goes into all the thanking everybody stuff at the end of this. So I'll skip that part. But listen to this opening here. Sigh. I'm not one to talk about private matters, but I will not allow inaccuracies to continue. Here are the facts. I originally, this is important, by the way, I originally left Rogue Squadron after long and productive development process when it became clear it couldn't happen soon enough, and I did not want to delay Wonder Woman 3 any further. When I did, Lucasfilm asked me to consider coming back to Rogue Squadron after Wonder Woman 3, which I was honored to do so, so I agreed. That's awesome, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. They made me and they made a new deal with me. In fact, I'm still on it. And the project has been an active development ever since. I don't know if it'll happen or not, but we never do. I We never do until the development process is complete, but I look forward to its potential ahead. OK, I'm going to stop right there for a brief moment. This is the first confirmation that Rogue Squadron is still in active development. Mm-hmm. We've been in the dark about that. So I was like, whoa, that's huge. <laughs> um, then she's got then she goes on to say um, when they're when they're started being backlash about Wonder Woman three not happening, the attractive clickbait false story 
that it was me that I killed it or I walked away starting to spread. This is simply not true. I never walked away. I was open to considering anything asked of me. It was my understanding that there was nothing I could do to move anything forward at this time. DC is obviously buried in changes um, they're having to make. So I understand these decisions are difficult right now. I do not want what has been a beautiful journey with Wonder Woman to land on negative note. I've loved blah, blah, blah. And this is where she goes into thanking people and working with the studio and all that stuff. So she's not like burying the hatchet so much, but it's just kind of like, I got some things I got to like point out real quick, you know? Yeah. Um, however, my big takeaway from that is, okay, thank you, Patty Jenkins, for laying out what happened. But you just gave us legit Rogue Squadron news. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it kind of it, it helps me sleep a little better knowing I might still get the Rogue Squadron movie that we all thought was dead, to be completely honest. OK, then we hear the following rumors. And this is where and I don't know if they're rumors. It's just this is what happens. OK. James Gunn says Superman is DC's biggest priority. Right. Okay, cool. We got Henry Cavill back. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's great. James Gunn says this. I'm in. All right. Statement from James Gunn that it's the biggest priority. James Gunn and Peter Safran are exploring the possibility of bringing Robert, Robert Pattinson into their wider DC universe. All right. All right. Cool. From James Gunn's Twitter. James Gunn has confirmed that the recent reports and rumors about Robert Pattinson joining the DCU are false. <laughs> well, okay. it does seem that does seem like it wouldn't fit. So that it did kind of catch me off guard when you said the first part. So correct. So my brain went. This is where I started screaming. Where's James Gunn's statements? Like. Like we had the Robert Pattinson pop up and I'm like, OK, he's a younger actor. Having younger actors means they can play the characters longer. That's what yeah. that's went through my head. And then I saw the he's confirmed that it's not happening. Awesome. <laughs> OK, <laughs> then. Um, then we hear and we heard a couple weeks ago that Ben Affleck um, has been asked to um, has come back for multiple Batman films. Right. Yeah. Then uh, I'll come back to the Ben Affleck thing in a minute. But remember, he is Ben Affleck is rumored to have signed a contract for multiple films with DC. So everyone's like, he's Batman again. Right. Well, then this week. Henry Cavill is no longer playing Superman. Like literally that drops yes. like what is happening? We just Superman's our biggest priority. Henry Cavill is no longer Superman. OK, James Gunn just said Superman's the biggest priority. And now the Internet's telling me that Henry Cavill is no longer Superman. Where's James Gunn's statement? OK, before yeah. James Gunn could issue a statement, Henry Cavill issued his own statement. Have you mm -hmm. read it? Do you have you yes. seen it at all? OK, mm -hmm. I'll read it now. I have just had a meeting with James Gunn and Peter Safran, and it's sad news. I will, after all, not be returning to Superman after being told by the studio to announce my return back in October, prior to their hire. This news isn't the easiest, but that's life. The changing of the guard is something that happens. I respect that James and Peter have a universe to build. I wish them all. I wish them and all involved with the new universe the best of luck and happiness of fortunes. For those of you who have been by my side through the years, we can mourn for a bit, but we must remember Superman is still around. Everything he stands for still exists, and the examples he sets for us are still there. My turn to wear the cape is past but what superman stands for never will we have fun ride with you all onwards and upwards class act response 
awesome that he did that. Yeah, absolutely. But it still made me beg the question, where is James Gunn's state? <laughs> James Gunn takes to Twitter. Among those among those on the state is Superman. In the initial stages, our story will be focusing on an earlier part of Superman's life, so the character will not be played by Henry Cavill. All right, that's, mm-hmm. that's statement number one. Um, so... This is then. This is then where James Gunn made a statement that he will be writing the next Superman movie. Okay, I think James Gunn's a good writer. I don't have any problem with that. But I just said that if you hire a younger actor, they can play the character longer. So if Henry Cavill is not playing Superman, we have a statement from James Gunn saying he isn't. We have Henry Cavill's statement saying that sorry guys, I can't do this anymore, and we're moving forward. So we're looking for a younger actor. Okay. Right. As much as, as much as I'm bummed that we don't have Henry Cavill, I'm also kind of like, okay, I still want to see where this is going. I'm still curious. Help me out, but I'm getting concrete news. I really think this whole story is about letting the internet know how to sift through fake versus <laughs> real news. <laughs> know your sources, if you will. So um, was was the whole rumor about Henry Cavill being back as Superman? Was that that was just a rumor all along? Because no, I remember talking about that previously. Yeah. No, that was a The Rock fought to have it happen because he knew that it had to happen. Yeah. They fought to have him in the movie. After the movie released, Warner Brothers made the announcement, and then Warner Brothers made the announcement they were bringing in the new CEOs. I don't think realizing that. James Gunn and Peter Safran were going to go have a big like let's have a big huddle and discuss what we're going to do with these characters and came up with an idea that they haven't flushed they haven't told everyone what the idea is yet and it doesn't fit for Henry Cavill it's just it's just such a such a bummer but I don't know if I feel like he's back and you're like yes and they're like no he's not (laughs) yeah and it's like two weeks later they're like no he's not and you're just what the heck is going on here so I know um what I will say, though, is if Henry Cavill can't be Superman, at least he can play Hyperion now. So that is some, <laughs> that is some silver lining, if you will. OK, um, there you go. Next statement. Um, but we just had a great meeting with Henry and we're big fans. And we talked about a number of exciting possibilities to work together in the future. I could just mentioned Hyperion, didn't I? I don't know anything. It just sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> um <laughs> And I'm pretty sure James Gunn listens to the show, so he probably heard me say that. Oh, yeah. We, I uh, think we already confirmed that a week or two ago. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because of the Lobo thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. That's what so it was. Remember how I said, remember how I said uh, Ben Affleck was is coming back to play multiple Batman movies, right? Mm-hmm. Statement from James Gunn. We met with Ben yesterday precisely because he wants to direct, and we want him to direct. We just have to find the right project. Sounds like Ben Affleck might be behind the camera for multiple movies and not in front of the camera. You know, so, and the more I think about that, I feel like that might be the perfect spot for him yeah. with DC properties. Because, like, we all know Ben Affleck is a very big Batman fan. Like, he's a fan oh. of the comics, but he's, I don't know, I feel like... He's I, a phenomenal I director, too. He, yeah, and, like, he was such a good live action actor for Batman, but I always felt like the, um, I don't even know, like all the weight of playing Batman, I feel like did wear on him just 
off the camera. Like you could even see it in the uh, the Whedon cut of the Justice League, how you could tell. Well, you could tell that was the weight of playing Batman. I think that was the weight of the fact that Whedon was screwing with it. Well, well, Uh, I was just going to say, like, you could tell that there's like a distinct um, difference in his like how good of shape he is between like the Whedon reshoots and uh, when Snyder directed like the original cut of the film. And I, I, I don't I mean, this is my own headcanon, but I feel like fan backlash about possibly certain people not liking bat him playing batman and stuff could weigh into the fact that like supposedly ben affleck i mean this is all hearsay internet rumors but supposedly like ben affleck was drinking a lot after he stopped filming that movie and then he had to come back for reshoots and he had gained weight wasn't in as good of shape and it just seems like i know he loves the character of batman and i know he's an amazing director and it's like a lot of different things and not just that justice league stuff. I was just talking about a lot of different things I've seen over the years makes me feel like he might be more passionate about just directing it and being behind the camera when it comes to Batman, I guess is all I'm just assuming a lot of things here, but that's just kind of what I'm getting from this, like reading yep. between the lines yep. and stuff like that. Yep. I agree. So it's, we're along for a ride right now. And I think I think the internet needs to cool its jets for a minute and stop jumping to conclusions before statements are released. Um, Read beyond the headline. And I think we're seeing that a lot lately. Um, One final piece to this whole monster is that since Henry Cavill will not be playing Superman, what does that mean for the Witcher? Because he announced he's coming back as Superman then said, I'm done with the Witcher because I have these commitments because I'm getting to do this thing that I want to do. And then so they put Liam Hemsworth in The Witcher and now Henry Cavill is now not playing Superman, like literally like night and day. Like, look, look what just happened. Um, Netflix has no plans to change casting for Witcher season four. Yeah. So did Henry Cavill just get fired twice? (laughs) Like what? (laughs) You know? Um, Well, I don't know if it's rumor, but I've heard people saying that uh, Henry Cavill was not satisfied with the direction that they were taking the Witcher show in. And that was part of the reason why he bowed out of that project. Mm, Okay. But I don't, that might just be internet rumors and hearsay. I feel like that's so much of what we're talking about lately. So I could be completely wrong. That's just something I thought was part of it. And maybe in that case, maybe he doesn't even want to come back to the Witcher. But um, one thing I was going to say about all of this crazy rumors, all these crazy this crazy dc news the silver lining of it all is like it really goes to show people are craving more dc content you know like if there are all these rumors and everybody's jumping the gun and speculating and coming up with all these different hearsay reasons why (laughs) henry cavill's back henry cavill isn't back like all these all this bull crap we're talking about i feel like just goes to show people are still engaged and craving DC content. Like that's kind of where I'm left with it, which I think is probably awesome. Like that's probably the best way to look at all of this, you know? Yeah. Yes, I agree. And um, I think, look, there's been, I saw some talk about how maybe people are finding they're, they're in superhero fatigue, if you will. Yes. And um, it's superheroes going the way of the Western and all that stuff. I really, really, I really don't think that's the case um, at all. 
I think what we're going to see is if we start seeing a spring of more, I guess, a film renaissance in the way, like if you look at the 80s, if you look at the films in the 80s, you have a lot of single movies that are like on their own, like back, like, yes, a lot of them have sequels, but think about like when they first dropped, like Back to the Future and Die Hard and like Indiana Jones and like Aliens and stuff like that. Those movies became franchises but they were all like singles. So until we got the franchises, it was like all these like great movies just kept popping up. Right. And like everything was just solid. Um, and now we have a lot of superhero stuff, but I think we could be moving forward into a new realm of, Hey, we need to get back to that true cinematic experience again. And I think the movie that kind of forces everybody to do that. And I got to say, and I'm going to give some props here, but I think Top Gun Maverick showed people what a true cinematic experience could be again. Yeah. So I think what that could end up doing is, is like, hey, you know, this this happened, you know, and we're looking and and people had these these cinematic moments like, oh, my God, this is what it's like to go to the theaters again. This is amazing. And I think that's going to bring people back for some of these like one off movies more than just the superhero stuff. But I don't think superheroes are going anywhere anytime soon. And I don't think and I don't know if people have the fatigue or not. If anyone has fatigue, it's the amount of Marvel movies we got in one shot. Um, like you get like what almost four Marvel movies a year. That's a ton, you know. Like maybe, yeah. and I'm not telling them to pump the brakes because they have a plan for us, but it's just like that's a ton. So I can see it on the Marvel front a little bit because you have all the shows as well, and it's a lot of content to consume. Um, and because we're all we're up to like I think thirty movies at this point, so you know that's a well, lot. Since 2008, what? 30 movies. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I kind of, I guess, have a little bit of a different view because, like, some of – I have, like, certain friends I've talked to who were, like, like really gung-ho about the MCU and stuff. And, like, some of these friends I've talked to just seem to be – like, their um, enthusiasm for superhero movies has been waning in the last few years. But I do think one of my favorite – aspects of just superheroes as a genre is it's a genre about people with superhero powers um a lot of the times they dress up in superhero costumes and they go out and fight crime or whatever but one of my favorite things is you have those elements you have those costumes and those powers but besides that i really feel like superheroes as a genre can really be any kind of story you want it to be like it's kind of dumb that I just use the genre because I was going to say you could do superheroes as any genre. You know, you look at like Deadpool is like an R rated comedy. And then you look at Logan and that is like a Western at heart. And uh, yeah. you look at something like Spawn that's more like horror based. And there's I don't think there I don't think superhero fatigue needs to be something that happens. It is something that I've like experienced people vocalizing a little bit more recently but i don't think it has to be that way but i do think there is like a big variety that might be missing in superhero films and maybe it is like we need to bring that top gun maverick cinematic experience uh that you were just talking about maybe that's a little bit of that spirit needs to be brought back into superhero cinema and we need the variety and the crazy uh sort of variety of uh, subgenres and stuff within superhero movies. But I feel like this is a huge, a huge topic we could go. 
on and on about, really. It is. And we're going to be talking about this a lot as we expand through the DC nonsense. Now, I've said in the past that while we talk and stuff, I kind of search to make sure I'm not missing any news stories. So I'm going to bring this up now because it just hit. Uh, this comes from The Hollywood Reporter, which can sometimes be great source of news. And sometimes it's like hit or miss because it's a rumor and then someone has to dispel it a little bit. But Hollywood Reporter is usually on the mark. Um, they are now reporting that Henry Cavill may not be donning the red cape, but he does have a cool new gig. <laughs> Already. All right. Done. The actor is attached to star and executive produce a series adaptation of Warhammer 40,000. Popular <laughs> science fiction fantasy miniature war game for Amazon. Um, uh, the game setting is forty thousand years into the future, uh, where things um, where the things are, are dark. Uh, human civilization has stopped progressing, and it's an unending war with aliens and magical beings and gods and demons fighting into a theological class system. For yeah, okay. So here's what I'll say: is I'm I'm a Warhammer fan. Um, I played a little bit back in the day. I really enjoyed it. I really liked the lore. This could be really, really cool to see a live-action Warhammer series. Um, Henry Cavill is a massive Warhammer fan. If you guys didn't know, I mean, <laughs> massive. He's really, really big into it. Um, so to see him attached to this, that sounds great. Um, that's awesome. It becomes a passion project for him on top of it. Um if you didn't know about him being a gamer, he apparently was playing World of Warcraft and missed the call from Zack Snyder letting him know that he was going to be Superman and almost missed his <laughs> opportunity to play. So um, he's a huge gamer and knowing this is awesome. Like, I'm that's great news, you know, so. So many of the interviews that I've watched him talk about playing Superman, I never knew he was a big gamer, but. I could always tell in interviews he would talk about playing Superman and going back to the source material and having to read all these like classic DC Superman stories. And you could just tell that he enjoyed like he really enjoyed going to that source material. So I never knew he was a big gamer, but I could I could see it like he seems like he kind of has that sort of like Joe Manganiello-esque like, you know, he's like this big Hollywood superstar, but he's secretly actually a huge nerd. So that's really awesome. I had no idea this was a thing. There's no reason why Henry Cavill couldn't be in the new Warhammer yeah. uh, Amazon project. So sounds pretty interesting. And we, I also feel like we should have had a Warhammer movie a while ago. But hey, if we're getting it now, I'm in. That's awesome. Absolutely. So um, that's that's a lot of space alien craziness. Like, let's see it, you know. <laughs> It uh, is hard to imagine Henry Cavill walking into like your local games workshop though and <laughs> playing some games of Warhammer. <laughs> I don't know if that would go over super smoothly. There'd be like paparazzi all over the place and stuff, but yeah, I know, right? Um all right, let's um let's talk about tonight's list, shall we? Cuz all yeah, this for stuff, sure. we're going to be we're going to be on this for a while. We have a lot more weeks before we get like any nonsense from them. Um so yeah, uh, let's talk about tonight's list. Um, so let's roll the thing. And now for the top five. Okay, Peter, um, this was my pick. Yeah. And I basically watched a really amazing Three Musketeers trailer 
for an upcoming Three Musketeers movie that is going to okay. be set in actual French language like it probably should be because <laughs> yeah. the whole movie, the whole story <laughs> takes place in France during a specific you know time period and everyone will be speaking French. So we're going to see that version of The Three Musketeers. But the movie looks amazing. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to do foreign language films because we've never discussed them. Now, the downside to this is that I wanted to try and watch everything everywhere all at once before I sat down tonight, but I didn't get a chance to add it to my list. So this may have to be revisited at some point in the future. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I really, really want to see that movie. And I really like from what I'm hearing about it, like I I'm willing to bet you that it is going to be the big Oscar upset for the best picture. Like they're going to they're going to drop all this stuff and everything everywhere all at once is going to be this like lingering thing that everyone's going to go. What is this over here? <laughs> did that yeah. come out? Did that come out in 2022? It sure did. Well, I uh, thought this was older than that for whatever reason. Well, it's been a long year, I think. <laughs> it, it has been a long year. The Golden Globe nominations have been released for um, Golden Globe nominations have been released for the upcoming award for their upcoming award show. Uh, Top Gun is on it for Best Picture. Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once is on it for Best Picture. The mm -hmm. one that kind of baffles me a little bit is Avatar The Way of Water is on it for Best Picture. Movie comes out this weekend. Now, I know a lot of people get to see it early, but I was like, that's interesting that it's going to make the cut already. So, <laughs> um, like, clearly they were that blown away. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, anyway, I have... One honorable mention. Okay. Um, I actually have two. I think. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. No, I have two. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I usually write all my picks next to each other. I didn't think it'd be a big <laughs> search to find both your honorable mentions. No, but... <laughs> me too. But it was literally the teetering. Like, I was looking at the my short list. Oh, I got I was you. waiting I got to start you. the show and... Oh, no, I, I'm just I'm just giving you crap. I'm sorry. Um, and I get yeah, it. Get it. I have two as well, so I could go first. Um, yeah, you have to. a well. lot of I will say a lot of my picks are movies we've talked a lot about before. Um, I guess the silver lining to that is I won't have to go on and on about a lot of these. But I also do have a couple um, anime movies on my list um, just because they count as foreign language films. Yeah. So I thought, why not? So one of the, my first honorable mention, I actually went with uh, Ninja Scroll. Uh, a big reason why this is an honorable mention though, is I don't know if I've ever watched the, I think I've only watched the dubbed version, dubbed version. So I don't yeah. know if this one even counts, but I think Ninja Scroll, I don't think it's, I think it's, I don't think it's the best anime movie ever, but it's like a really classic off the wall, crazy action one. I remember watching this in high school. Drew, I'm pretty sure you introduced me to this movie. And it was just at the time I watched it, it was such, it was like one of the most badass things I've ever seen. It's super imagin imaginative. It's really action packed. The animation and just artistry that went into the movie is really good. So I love Ninja Scroll. It holds a really special place in my heart. Um, but yeah, yeah. I don't know if I have too much else to say. So oh, I got talked Ninja, a lot about it, you know, Ninja Scroll is a lot of fun. We have, we have uh, talked about a bunch of this. Um, what's a really fun thing to do with Ninja Scroll is you get some like screen grabs of all the characters, right? Except for the main character. You can't choose the main character. That's gotta be like, <laughs> gotta be off the table. Right. And you watch it with a group of friends and you tell everyone to pick a character who they think is really cool. 
And in terms of like commentary, because sometimes when you watch with friends, people talk and ask questions and make jokes and laugh and stuff like that. Um, what you do is you have everyone choose a character and then when their character dies, they have to stop talking. <laughs> there you go. They're not allowed. They're not allowed to comment anymore. <laughs> That's so, great. Um, it makes watching Ninja Scroll a little fun because you're just like, well, I'll take that guy. He looks badass. And then he dies like in the first two <laughs> seconds and you're just like, whoa, OK, I guess I'm out. <laughs> See, I, I think you've talked about this strategy with watching the movie before, which is really hilarious. Um, I think you've talked about it on a podcast before, and I, I'm i pretty sure that I mentioned when uh, my group of friends did something really similar, but <laughs> they uh, watched a movie and they all picked characters that they thought reminded each other of themselves, but the movie they were watching was Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> and it played out much differently, much that differently is, than Ninja Scroll. That is, was, a, so. that is a whole different night. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, moving on. So mine's actually, my next honorable mention is also an anime. It's the only anime that I have. Um, and that's the movie Ghost in the Shell. Nice. Uh, not the live action, the original anime Ghost in the Shell. It's awesome. I love it. It's so cool. Um, so, yeah, and I've talked about it before. Um, if you don't want to watch the anime, the live action one is almost spot on the same. So, yeah, that's all I got. Just Ghost in the Shell is great. Um, but but I, I think just because we've talked about it a lot. So yeah. <laughs> I'd say get get over yourself and watch the anime. too. <laughs> yeah, watch the anime. No, I'm just <laughs> get over yourself and watch the cartoon. Um, yeah. All right, man. What's your next honorable mention? Yeah, so my next honorable mention, I actually went with uh, Hero, the uh, ah. Jet Li film. Um, this movie's incredible. It's kind of about, like, um, I guess it's kind of like the story of, like, the dynasty of, like, China. And it's, like, a really cool historical movie. The and Formation the, of the Great Wall and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And, like, the... Um, what was I going to say? The the storyline is awesome. There's some amazing choreography. The uh, here's where here's the re the biggest reason this doesn't make my final list, because it is an amazing, amazing film. We've talked about it a lot. The reason it didn't make my final list is I realized the biggest reasons I like this movie is the visuals like visually. This movie is like it's like watching music, if that makes sense. Like, it's so beautiful. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great analogy. Yeah, it's it's so beautiful the way the colors, the costumes, the set work, like the way that the visuals of this movie accentuates the parts of the story is so amazing. And like I said, this is a really good movie despite that. But because so much of my love for this movie is so concentrated on the visuals, I just I kept it as an honorable mention because there was a couple movies that sat a little bit higher of it, higher than it. But it's definitely an awesome awesome film yeah it really is this yes it shows it's kind of like it's a almost a historical epic on yeah like the dynasties of china and the formation of the great wall and the why and all that stuff and it's wrapped around this like complicated love story that you know <laughs> really like gripped the nation kind of thing it's it's really, oh my God, the choreography, the fight scenes, the watching music is the probably one of the coolest ways of explaining it, man. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and then in like true martial arts fashion, there's things that get kind of, some of the stuff gets a little ridiculous in terms of like laws of physics and stuff. But by the time, like, and, and I use, and I say that not because of some of the wire work 
martial arts stuff they do. But like when the guy's defending the one, I, I want to say it's a school and they're getting all the arrows shot into the building. Yeah. And he's just defending from these arrows and it's just nonstop unloading of arrows. But it's like almost to the level of ridiculousness. You're not even thinking about it. You're just too in, yeah. enamored into what's going on. It's it's so good. Um, yeah, Hero's phenomenal. So I, I do I do like when they stretch, um, like in martial arts films, when they stretch the laws of physics like that. Though I always think that's really fun, and it doesn't always work with like your sort of like modern day gritty sort of crime stories but when you go to like a more historical or more fantastical movie like this i think it works really well because you're making it more of a fairy tale you know you're romanticizing the action um by yeah. stretching the physics and that's always just really cool you know yeah yeah yeah. um all right so my next my final honorable mention of the night is shaolin soccer um <laughs> I don't know if you've have you ever watched this movie? I, I still haven't seen this one. I need okay. to watch it. I've heard great things. I've talked about it before, so I won't go too deep. Um, it's essentially everything you'd want from a sports movie about soccer um, set in Japan. But so it's a Japanese uh, this basically this soccer coach is like, I need a new edge. So he hires all these martial arts guys who are all into martial arts. And they know like karate and jujitsu and like all that stuff, but and kung fu and whatever to be the players of the team. And they take it to a new level in the sense that take everything you want from like a sports soccer movie and then add martial arts to it. And you get everything you want from a martial arts film. Some of the things they do with the ball are just ridiculous. And like you could think to yourself, oh, that was definitely done for the sake of the cinematic experience of watching a movie with, like, heightened abilities. And then you're like, no, that is just incredible, like, uh, footwork with a ball and crazy martial arts techniques and stuff. It's awesome. Like, seriously, really, really check this movie out if you get a chance to. So, um, And it's a comedy, too. Uh, so enjoy enjoy that, too, because it's actually really funny. So Nice. Yeah. Um. All right, what's your first actual pick of the night? Yeah, so um, speaking of uh, martial arts films with really fantastical um, fight fight scenes and stuff like that, I actually went with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is a movie we've talked about so many times on this anyway. podcast. It's kind of funny because in we've my day-to-day... -day, what's that? Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, in my day-to-day -day life, I don't really talk... Like, I never interact with people talking about this movie, but on the podcast, we've honestly talked about this movie quite a bit so i don't have to go on and on but this is another movie that i feel like this came out when i was in like junior high and i remember renting the movie and forcing uh the rest of my family members who were home or whatever to watch it with me and uh i just thought it was awesome it's like a really cool uh it is a fairy tale there is the love story in there there's like a lot of really cool action um the whole plot of the movie um circulates around this uh like magical sword that everybody's fighting over which i that always captured my imagination and it was just like such a badass film um and it delivered on that sort of like action sense and fantasy sense that my teenage mind was really craving at that time but it also is a beautiful film when it comes to music and cinematography and uh, this was an oscar contender the year it came uh, out so actually, great stuff I, you know did it win 
it was up there. I know it was nominated for best picture. Even I don't know if it actually won, but uh, yeah, it um, won a lot of awards. I mean, I could try looking it up really no, quick. It's, it's very fast to look it up if you didn't know. Um, but keep talking. Unless you were done. Oh, oh, if you're looking up, yeah, um, yeah. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, <laughs> I got nothing. You got nothing. You caught me out. I've got. Entertain the people while I look this up real fast. Uh, no, it did not win. Fair enough, but it did. It did win, and it did it win a lot, a lot of, of awards that award. Yeah, it was one of those things. Like at the Oscars, I remember it was like every other award. Crouching Tiger was nominated for something, which was kind of insane. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Um, so my next one, I can make it quick. Unfortunately, I'm going to throw it back to you, but my first one for the night is hero. Um, nice. so before we go any further, just to let you know, some of these movies we've talked about before, even though they're foreign language films, and it's interesting that we've talked about some of these things and we've never done foreign language films as a list before. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. So yes, hero phenomenal movie. I don't need to go. We don't need to go too far into it. Um, so unfortunately that tosses it back to you, man. So. Yeah, so uh, for my next pick... Um, and we're probably going to match a bunch, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for Maybe. my next pick, I actually went with uh, The Orphanage. Um, have you ever seen this one, Drew? Yes, this is a, this is a hard sit. <laughs> so this is like... It's a foreign film. I believe it's Spanish. It's um, Guillermo del Toro produced this movie. He actually didn't direct it, and I feel like that's a common misconception. But it's like... This story oh, of uh, Tim Burton directing uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> absolutely. But this this movie is like it's the story of like this woman taking her family to this orphanage that she grew up with. And uh, when they go there, uh, her son starts like more or less befriends a ghost or yeah. an imaginary friend or like what exactly is it? And there's a lot of mystery involved and there's a lot, a lot of scares and it scares in the sense of we're dealing with something supernatural and uh, it's kind of like, I actually looked this up and I was kind of surprised because the movie's rated R, but to me, I don't remember a lot of violence or really adult subject matter to me. in my head, this movie is just a really classic uh, horror story in the, in the sense that it focuses on the scares and focuses on the story and you're dealing with ghosts and you're dealing with, it delivers on the scares without having to deliver a lot of gore, I guess is what I'm saying oh, um, yeah. in a nutshell. And I think um, this movie does like I do understand why people think that Guillermo del Toro directed this because his uh, footprints, I feel like and it might be just coincidence. Maybe it's, you know, because it was directed by somebody else and he produced it. But he it feels so much like a Guillermo del Toro movie where it it has the scares and the fantasy elements. But when it really comes down to it it's a really, it's a story that makes you think and it really, um, it leaves you in this pensive mood and it has, it's really sad in a lot of ways too. And I think it's just one of those like really beautiful, sad, but also scary movies. And, uh, everybody should definitely check this one out. Yeah. Um, it is scary, but it's also, it doesn't make you feel like crap in a lot of like other, in, right. in the way the that a trailer, lot of other horror movies make you feel bad while the watching. Trailers, so. The trailer for this is terrifying. Um, Absolutely. That, that's, this is funny that this is a movie that doesn't come up with in other horror movie Halloween conversations we've had, but the trailer for this is terrifying. So 
Um, yeah, and it's it's really unique too. Like it's not a uh, it's not your typical horror movie because you're right. I I like never hear people bring this movie up, but it's really really good. You know. Yeah. All right. Uh, my next one is on the other side of the coin. This is the movie Life is Beautiful. Oh, <laughs> awesome. This is. Uh, have you ever seen this? Theater, have you ever seen this? Oh, sorry. No, I, <laughs> um, I've seen you, it, you but it's been Google? a while. OK, no, no, I uh, I sorry. Sorry. Uh, I missed what you last said. I like turned oh, my head okay. and coughed. So <laughs> I get that. But I, uh, yeah, um, no, Life is Beautiful. It's an Italian film. Um, it's about a, it's essentially it's about a dad who is. All right. So you have a family that is trying to escape slash not be separated during the events of the Holocaust. And it's basically this dad trying to do everything in his power to keep his family happy and not focused on the nonsense that's going on in the world. And he's trying to, like, kind of distract them and keep them entertained where he's keeping everything kind of bottled up. Like, no, 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 don't look over there because that's the bad stuff. I want you to be happy. Enjoy your childhood. Enjoy your life. Like and it's him doing everything he can to protect his family from the craziness in the world. It's a wonderful, charming amazing movie so well done um it was a best picture winner best actor winner best director like kind of thing like that guy that that was his year man he yeah he cleaned up that year but it's such a wonderful wonderful movie so if you get a chance to watch it i highly recommend it um please note that these are foreign language films so every movie we're talking about tonight does have subtitles (laughs) yeah um but so this one is like i was caught a little bit off guard, but I've seen this or at least seen most of it. I don't know if I've watched the whole thing, but it's been a while. Like, I feel like it was like really close to when this came out. And I feel like this came out like 15 or 20 years ago, but uh, yeah, it is a really beautiful film. And like, I do remember the Oscars that year. This was another one that just swept up so many awards and was kind of like the, I don't want to say it was an upset, but I feel like it was one of those things where this is a foreign film that came out of nowhere and just like swept the Oscars this that year. I don't I don't think it won Best Picture, but it won a lot of awards. And I, I'm pretty sure it, it uh, the main actor from it won Best Actor. Is that right? Because I remember there's like the really classic clip of him just really rejoicing in the seats yeah. when his name was called. And that was a really beautiful moment. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, man, you go. Yeah, so um, my next pick, we've talked yep. about this one a lot, too. It's another anime pick, but I went with Akira. <laughs> this one, I actually have watched the uh, subtitled uh, version, but I've also watched the classic uh, dubbed version of it. But this is one of my favorite animated films. Um, it might be my favorite just anime, just like proper films. But Akira is like a perfect combination of like, amazing amazing artistry and animation as well as a really cool story that will leave you thinking about things for years and it takes place in this future version of tokyo um that's kind of dystopian like um a lot of the main characters are kind of like these kids who are kind of more poor kind of off the beaten track and they're part of uh motorcycle gangs because that's just something that people in this uh future version of tokyo do and uh there's this whole plot that takes place around um you know like the this like government facility and the experiments it's doing on people and stuff and it really mimics the sort of um 
the existential dread of like nuclear warfare and stuff, I feel like kind of has like a bit of a backdrop to the whole film, which makes sense considering this was uh, created in Japan. And I feel like, you know, you look at Akira, you look at Godzilla, you look at a lot of movies from Japan, like obviously the atomic bomb is a huge piece of historical uh, tragedy and significance that carries through a lot of uh, their pop culture. And uh, I've always just really appreciated the the dystopian government experimentation aspects of the story, the artistry, like it's all just awesome. And it's one of those movies that you watch it and you watch through to the end and you're left with stuff at the end that might not make sense. And it's like kind of that sort of thing where after watching the movie, you just want to go dig up the manga and read it because there's a lot of questions that aren't answered and stuff. But the thing is, you won't be upset about that. You'll watch the movie and just be like, I'm not sure exactly what I watched, but that was amazing. And uh, when it comes to I've talked a lot about the artistry in this movie, but when it comes to the end of the movie with the stuff that goes on with Tetsuo, with the sort of really horrific sort of, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but the sort of like cyberpunk horror imagery at the end where like Tetsuo becomes this giant organic technical horrific blob creature thing like that. All that imagery is so cool and it's animated so well that it's just like it's amazing. So I've talked about this movie a ton on the podcast or not, maybe not a ton, but a handful of episodes. So I don't have to go on and on too much. But yeah, and I don't have anything to add because you kind of covered all of it. Like, <laughs> you know, like, sorry. Akira is awesome. So awesome pick. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So my next one, this is this might not be the best. This is definitely not one of the best, in my opinion. It's it's more of a fun movie, but I had a lot of fun watching it. I have fond memories of watching it. And it's one I've watched multiple times. And sometimes that's what matters. It's a multiple viewing thing. Um, and that's the movie Iron Monkey. Um, right. <laughs> Have you ever seen this, Peter? Yeah, this yeah. almost made an honorable mention. This, for me, so. this movie is it's a martial arts film and it's essentially a. The Iron Monkey is basically kind of like a superhero crossed with Robin Hood. Yeah, he's he's like that. He's that superhero that's trying to do good, but he's also trying to rob from the rich and give back to the poor and whatnot. And then. The uh, the people who like have a pro the rich who have a problem with them doing this send their assassins at him and then it's just martial arts amazingness. But there's some great wire work in this. There's some really cool fight scenes. There's some really cool like martial arts stuff in general. But then the story is just kind of fun and everything. So I've just had a lot of fun watching this movie. So yeah, Iron Monkey. Yeah, it's it's a really cool movie. It's really funny. I think this movie is the perfect balance between like it has like slap still stick humor like some of the humor and especially the physical humor is really really goofy but then at the same time like there'll be something that happens in a fight scene that's like so silly and goofy looking but then two seconds later you're just like well no actually this is really badass (laughs) like i really like watching this intricate martial arts work and it's a cool balance of that and then uh the other thing is like if you watch the uh english dubbed version of iron monkey i feel like the voice the voice work in the dubbed version of this film some of it is just such such like goofy sound of voices and it's kind of like 
self-aware as in like this is a big silly movie so we're going to use big silly voices for certain characters (laughs) and uh that's always really funny too so yeah um all right man what's your next pick for the night yeah so for the next one another one i've talked about a lot but um i went with the movie old boy um Ah. this is an awesome awesome korean uh it's originally a korean action movie um there is an american version of it as well I I haven't seen the American version. I imagine it's actually probably pretty good. The American one, I think, stars uh, it's like Josh Brolin and um, is it Elizabeth Olsen? I might be wrong, but I feel like it's somebody like that plays the main um, uh, girl in the movie. But this movie is a crazy story of uh, revenge and. it's one of those things it's hard to say too much about, but it's like kind of about this uh, guy who gets um, taken captive, like unknowingly, like kind of kidnapped and forced to live in this mysterious hotel room for like months on end. And uh, he finally gets out and uh, he starts unraveling the truth of like why this was done to him and stuff. And it becomes this really intricate, dramatic um revenge story that plays out and it's one of those things where when you find out the reasons that this movie the events in the movie take place you will be shocked but then when you find out all of the twists and turns that take place this movie goes really brutal places and i'm not just talking about the gore level like there is some crazy action and uh gore in this movie but there's also some really dramatic emotional places that you do not see coming and it's it's a tough sit, but it is a great uh, film. So, yeah, awesome movie. Yeah. Um, I Again, you kind of covered everything with your movie. <laughs> uh, there's, there's also an amazing, uh, action-wise, one of the highlights is there's an amazing hallway fight scene where the main character fights off, like, 20 or 30 different guys using just a hammer and it's amazing. I'm pretty sure it, it, uh, inspired the, uh, daredevil, uh, hall fight oh, scene from that I series. I but, not, uh, honestly, I didn't even think about that. I was too mind blown over the daredevil fight. Scene. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, moving on. So my next pick of the night is a movie called brotherhood of the wolf. Um, have, oh, you, ever, nice. have you ever seen this? I still haven't seen this. You talked about this somewhat recently. I always wanted yeah. to see it, but this it just... popped up. This popped up a little while ago. I don't remember what made me bring it up in conversation. This is about a um, Brotherhood of the Wolf is it's a French film. It takes place in 18th century France um, where this guy is sent. He's so you have this guy that's sent with his Indian like. And when I say Indian, I mean like Native American, like Iroquois tribe, not like not like India, Indian or like Muslim. Mm-hmm. It's just like uh, Native American uh, Iroquois, um, like they're traveling together and they're sent to investigate. They're sent to, they're sent to this village to investigate a, this mysterious slaughter of like hundreds of people by this unknown creature. So the movie becomes a little bit of a creature feature horror film. Um that apparently the whole movie is loosely based on real life killings that took place in France in the 18th century. Um, the beast of Geneva den, or if I, I'm totally going to destroy that name. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> right, but, um, 
And parts of the film were actually shot with uh, some CG effects for the creature, some of it practical. But the film has several extended swashbuckling fight scenes and martial arts and stuff like that. Um, it's a really, really cool movie. If you get to watch it, please take a look at this movie. I think it's I think it's one of those golden gems that kind of like fell off the face of the planet that people forget about. Uh, came out in um, 2001. It's I would I would liken it. I would probably call it. If I had to like label it as any type of genre, it is a um, horror action film. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. Check that out if you get a chance. So nice. This one actually, I feel like was kind of a pretty big Oscar contender the year it came out as well. Um, and this one, I I remember this movie came out and I was. I was young enough that my parents weren't going to let me see it, but I really thought it looked awesome and I really wanted to. And it's one of those, you put it in the back of your mind and you're like, one of these days I'll be old enough to just watch this on my own. And I totally forgot about it until the last time you brought it up, Drew, but I still really want to see this one at some point. So. Well, get on it then. (laughs) Um, all right. Well, what's your last pick of the night? And I have a feeling we matched. I really do, because this hasn't come up yet. But uh, yeah, I was thinking of the same thing. Uh, we might. I could, match I for could this be. One. I could be wrong. But let's see. What do you got? Um, I went with uh, Pan's Labyrinth, actually. Uh, I went with Pan's Labyrinth, too. So nice. go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually do- wasn't sure if I was going to save this one for last. But um, as the list started playing out, I was like, if I save this for last, I might match Drew. So that'll be pretty cool. But uh Pan's Labyrinth, it is, um, it's hard to know where to begin. Like, we've talked about this movie before, but I just think it's a beautiful film. Uh, this one actually was directed by Guillermo del Toro, um, <laughs> another uh, Spanish film, if I'm uh, not mistaken. And uh, it's like this perfect balance between kind of being like, I kind of think of it as a fairy tale, but in the classic fairy tale sense, like not a Disney fairy tale. This is like, your classic literature fairy tales where it's like actually violent and gory and there's very harsh morals to learn and stuff like that. And I feel like it's a perfect balance in that way where you have these really beautiful Guillermo del Toro fantasy elements, but you also have this sort of dark horror story behind the whole thing. And uh, I just think it's a beautiful film. Um, It's super gory. I remember, uh, suggesting that uh, my parents watch this film and I remember telling them I didn't think the gore was very uh was too bad and stuff and then they rented the movie and watched it and told me they thought it was one of the most gory movies they ever saw (laughs) and they couldn't believe that I didn't think it was that gory which I always thought was funny but no this is just a beautiful film like it's a really cool story there's really awesome uh costume and design work and uh great acting um you have doug jones playing like uh pan or the fawn character he also plays the uh i i think it's the pale man is the character name like the uh really creepy looking that's the one with the eyeballs right yeah the guy with the the really creepy one with no eyes but then he has the eyes in the palms of his hands and uh yeah it's just it's just a great film like on all on all levels in my opinion i don't know what what do you want to talk about with pan's labyrinth drew well this is one this is one of those things with the practical effects really speak for themselves um when i watched this movie i actually didn't know that it was in spanish um i i remember starting it and you know sometimes movies have stuff (laughs) because you don't sometimes like 
not all movies are the whole way through a different language. So you don't think about it when you see subtitles. Yeah. And like, whatever. But then you find yourself, oh, this whole movie is going to be in Spanish, isn't it? <laughs> um, no, the, the um, I didn't know, but I had such a fun time watching it. The practical effects were amazing. The story's amazing. Um, it takes place uh, in Spain during the summer of 1944, which is five years after the Spanish Civil War. Um and it takes and it intertwines like all this stuff going on in the real world. And it's all intertwined and centered on an overgrown, abandoned labyrinth that exists in this like fantasy world. So this little girl like at this house, like, you know, all the stuff going on with her parents and the stuff like the fallout of the war and stuff like that. And then you throw in the fact that she's on this like internal like fantasy adventure. Um, it's it's one of those brilliant blending of stories, if you will. Um, and it just works in like this beautiful, gorgeous way. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. There's like part of me that wants to rewatch it because you were talking about the plot. I was just kind of thinking like it makes me wonder if all the fantasy elements were really there or if it was some weird like coping as uh, you know, coping mechanism for the girl and all the uh, trauma of her family life and stuff like yeah. that i kind of want to watch the movie through that lens but uh no it's an awesome film um you <laughs> you talking about the not knowing that the movie was going to be in subtitles the whole way through it reminds me of this really funny story um one of my buddies back in the day used to work at a uh, blockbuster and he was telling me about how uh one time he was at work and uh some guy was going to rent pan's labyrinth but he asked him at the desk he said is this uh is this movie in subtitles? And uh, my friend was like, yeah, it's actually it's a Spanish movie, so the whole it's <laughs> it has titles the whole way through. And I guess the guy got pissed. He was like, well, I don't want to read a whole movie. I'll go find something else. And then he scoured <laughs> the uh, whole blockbuster, and then the movie he finally picked out that he was going to rent instead was Mel Gibson's Apocalypto. <laughs> Yeah. Which is another movie that has subtitles the whole way through. So that guy got even more pissed off about that. But I always thought that that story was just hilarious. Yep. 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 Um, all right. Well, this brings us to the end of this list. Um, next week, everybody, is Christmas week. So this episode is actually going to drop on Monday the 20, on Monday the 19th. So next week when we sit down, it'll be right before Christmas. So our Christmas episode will actually drop on the 26th, but at least you have something for the car rides or whatever you're doing. So, um, yeah, to discuss Christmas stuff next week, we are going to be doing our favorite Christmas characters from Christmas related stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So whether that's movies, television, books, you know, fairy tales, whatever, our favorite Christmas characters. Um, it'll be fun because we haven't that's that sounds like kind of a unique thing that we haven't done yet. Um, so yeah, that's all absolutely. I so, <laughs> yeah, um, why don't we close this episode out and toss this one in the can if you're up for it, Peter? Um, the, yeah, absolutely. Uh, do everyone do us all a favor, check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along to a link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, 
You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter, what about you? Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre. And that's where I will be reminding you that it doesn't matter whether you prefer subtitled or dubbed anime. What really matters is that you always argue against your friend's preferences on that subject. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) All right, everybody. To the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And thanks for listening. Have a good night, everyone. Mm -hmm.